the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Coming to you live from a very expensive freezer filled with ice cream, Just chocolate and vanilla. It's the Worldview Media Podcast. Woo! Chocolate and vanilla! (laughs) (laughs) I am your host. They're back to calling me Big Shooter. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's better than Big Tutor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. You know, like a house, a big Tudor house. Oh, T U D O R. Sure. Right, I'm I'm more a traditional Gothic. Sure. <laughs> and with me is a crazy woman named Joyce. Hello. This is the Worldview Media Podcast, the most frivolous podcast of the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network. Your one-stop shop for all your dominionizing needs. I was waiting for it. (laughs) You didn't disappoint. (laughs) All right, I hit all the right notes. (laughs) Trying to think if there was something else I should say. Shout out to Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Okay, so we are talking about the docudrama available on Netflix called The Founder. The Founder. Starring Michael Keaton and Rob Swanson. Mm. Ron Swanson. That's not really who it is. That's the character's name. Yes. Okay, so what we have in The Founder, we have the... A dramatized... Based on a true story. Yeah. It's kind of a docudrama where they're dramatizing uh, the real-life history of Ray Kroc and his building of the McDonald's empire. Yeah. What'd you think overall of this show? It was a shocking movie. (laughs) Really? In what way? Well... For one, I really thought it was a documentary, which it wasn't. It was billed wrong on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix listed it as a documentary. That's and then um, just the the story, the whole story of who really started it, who took it over, how it went. Um, it was just very uh, shocking. What do you mean? <laughs> Shocking how? In what way? Well, I just, I had never really heard the, you know, the background of it and yeah. how things transpired and who started it and, you know. Are you saying that the person of Ray Kroc himself was surprising to you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we were finishing up watching it, coming to the end, it occurred to me that his character, and I don't know how true it is, I know it's based on a true story, but just going off what the yeah. movie says, 
I thought the character of Ray Kroc was very much like the lead guy in There Will Be Blood, the mm, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis movie that we looked at some Had months ago. Had the pleasure ago. of watching. <laughs> right. And, it, and very similar in the sense that the first time we run into them, we're, we see them experiencing failure in their efforts to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, crushing failure. You might even call it. Ray Kroc was being more slowly crushed by it. But uh, we see both those characters experiencing failure and then immediately kind of getting back on the horse and doing what it takes to move forward. And, yeah, and, pulling uh, themselves up and persevering. And right, and that was the watchword for this movie was perseverance. And yeah. Persistence, is that what it was? Persistence. Maybe so. And... Uh, and in both of those movies, that opening scene and their persistence in overcoming failure was an attractive thing, and it made me uh, sympathetic toward those characters and mm-hmm. want to see them succeed. But then once they succeeded, they both kind of became, uh, well, just horrible people. Yeah. And then, and probably they didn't just become that. It's just that their success and their affluence allowed them allowed them to be <laughs> horrible people where they couldn't afford it before. And it, that I'm with you. That was kind of surprising to me. So, did you like the movie, or will I watch it again? No. Right. Was it a complete waste of my time? No. <laughs> right. I think I think it was done well. I the uh, actors were pretty decent, you know. I think with the the scenes and the settings, they production seemed, yeah, was good. I mean, I it, saw it, it seemed pretty yeah. true to the time era, and right. um, so it it did have some good things about it. Yeah, but it's it's not a favorite. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's run through the story real fast. So we find Ray Kroc. He's a traveling salesman, and Apparently, you know, you know what what does he sell? Well, it eventually we finds out we find out he kind of sells whatever he can whatever get his hands on to sell. Gadget is yeah, yeah. I think it's really how that kind yeah, of yeah. He's, he's uh, he seems to be a sucker for gadgets and and innovation, and mm. that's what he's trying to sell. And so he's trying to sell this newfangled milkshake mixer, and this is back in the what forties or fifties, and and he's selling them to drive in, drive in, uh, what would you call those? A drive in. Just a drive in. <laughs> <laughs> drive in food place. <laughs> As and, opposed to a drive in supermarket. <laughs> or, well, they're drive in theaters. There are drive-in liquor stores, or there were. There I don't used think to be. those are in existence anymore. Right. And so, he, selling these milkshake things, he, he runs into the McDonald brothers who have one store in California, mm-hmm. in Southern California, and they order a whole bunch of his order milkshake like mixers. Of these machines. He can't even sell one. Right. He can't sell one to save his life. And, and they, they like place make an order. Eight. They make six or eight milkshakes at a time. 
Yeah. So. And so they order six of these things, and he can't sell one. And he calls them to make sure the order is right. And in the middle of the order, they in the middle of the call, they change their order to eight instead of Add six. Two more, and, yeah. And so he drives across the country to see what's going on and what they're doing, and and then we meet the then we meet the McDonald brothers, mm-hmm. and and these are two guys who own this burger place that they just call McDonald's, and the big thing he. He kind of gets his way in with them. They give him a tour and they explain what they're doing. And, you know, they've got lines out to the corner of the street. And they're very busy, very successful. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that they have done is they've figured out how to really radically change what it means to get fast food. Or they may have invented they, the yeah, concept. I think they and, invented fast food. So 30 seconds from the time you order your burger and fries till the moment it's in the sack and in your hand. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, such a thing had never been done before, and there were obvious hurdles and obstacles that they had to overcome. And we learn about the Kroc brothers that if an item, if a thing didn't McDonald's. exist, oh yeah, the McDonald brothers, <laughs> what we learn about them is that if they needed an item for their newfangled speedy kitchen and that item didn't exist, they just made it themselves. And so they're very creative. They're very innovative. They're big Mm -hmm. problem solvers. And, and Ray Kroc is blown away. He's impressed. And he figures, he talks them into letting him invest and become a partner. And he's going to sell franchises. They're going to franchise McDonald's, Mm -hmm. and he wants to see it kind of take over the United States. And so then the bulk of the story is just him dealing with unexpected problems of what it means to sell a franchise and Mm -hmm. before there were such things. And I was just thinking today that probably our experience with restaurants and what we know to just be normal it wasn't normal at all before the McDonald's brothers did what they did and then Ray Kroc came and did what he did Mm -hmm. because we're just used to being in a different city we've never been been in and seeing a familiar sign of a restaurant and knowing before you go in there what's going to be on the menu and knowing what that's going to taste like when you order that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was unheard of before McDonald's. Yeah. And now it's everywhere. The uniform menus, not just the uniform menus, but the exact same flavor of everything. Mm -hmm. Everything tastes the same and is done the exact same way in all these different franchises. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, that's even true of a place like the Olive Garden. Yeah. It's not just fast food. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's not just fast food, but that model of uniformity is everywhere. And we just kind of take it for granted now, I think. So it was interesting seeing the struggle to bring that about and how it obviously became the way to do it. And that mm-hmm. was a pretty big deal. And then we see Ray Kroc experience success as he overcomes issues and it kind of winds up destroying whatever family life he had. We may talk about that a little bit later. 
And the movie kind of ends with him at the height of his powers. He's going to go hobnob with newly elected President Reagan or something. And, yeah. And that's really just kind of how it ends. Him at the height of his fame and glory and, and still basically the same guy he was when he started. Uh, there were a couple of storytelling issues that I had with it. though. One of them, I don't know if you noticed, but... I noticed that Ray Kroc was just drinking like a fish through the whole movie. You know, he's never far away from a bottle of whiskey. And mm. so many scenes just focused on him pouring himself a glass of whiskey and then doing whatever else he's going to do or talking or or whatever. And it just seemed to me like they were setting us up for something, you know. <laughs> He either DUI or you know that his alcohol uh, stuff was going to wind up uh, causing him to fail in this or that, and, and there just never was a payoff with that. So they spend all this time uh, focusing on how much he's drinking and how often, and it just goes nowhere. It's not an issue, and it's not. It doesn't do anything. And I just thought that was a weird storytelling thing why focus on it like that if you're not well i don't know if it's a that maybe just was how he did things you know like people take a bottle of water to work you know he took something else but so that may just be part of his character that they're showing um maybe that talks about his uh self-indulgence or how he felt he was entitled to do whatever he wanted to, oh. whenever he wanted to. Well, could it also be, uh, just as you say that, it makes me wonder if it's also maybe to heighten, I almost felt like it was thematic, that here's Ray Kroc trying to build this uh, family-friendly brand of restaurant. Mm-hmm. And behind the scenes, he's not a family-friendly kind of guy. You know? Yeah. Is that just to kind of heighten that perception? or? Well, that could be. And I also think, you know, we really don't see him doing drinking as much in the beginning. And maybe that's just because he is out driving and doing things as opposed to when he's in his office and he's not having oh, to be out and yeah, about. And, and so, but I, I still think it's a, a reflection of his character. You know, that's just how the guy was and must have been like that for them to include that in the in the movie. And I think drinking was, uh, it was a hobby for a lot of people back <laughs> in that time, you know. And that's, smoking. That's what yeah. they did. They smoked and they drank and that was just part of their daily routine. Yeah, that may be. All right. Well, I have to confess, I think I liked it more than I thought I would. I think it, I mean, I understand you can't, if you're doing a documentary sort of thing, you can't make up a story that isn't there. You well, have you to shouldn't. go with it, right? <laughs> I just felt like there's a reason why we tell stories the way we do, where issues get resolved in the end, and mm-hmm. good guys get rewarded for being good guys, and bad guys kind of get what's coming to them. And there's a reason we tell those stories, and then when you when you experience a story like that, where like this, where none of that happens, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit jarring. I think 
Not that it isn't realistic, but it's it's a little bit jarring when you Well, I think as you say that, that makes it sound that some people get away with doing bad things. And ultimately, you know, well, ultimately they don't. With anything. Right, ultimately they And I don't. think that's part of the problem with the perception of our society is that well, look at all these terrible people that do all these terrible things and there is no judgment for them. But there is. <laughs> yeah. And you can't be looking at somebody else's situation and saying, why aren't they getting something yeah. more deserving of their actions than I am getting of what, you know, here I am trying, doing my best, and, <laughs> right. you know, my life is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about Psalm 73 and, right uh, there. You know, yeah. your focus really shouldn't ever be on anybody other than Christ. Sure. And if you're looking, you know, some of us have terrible bosses. Some of us have terrible people that we have to work with. And, right. and God sees and knows all. And there is a time of judgment. Yeah. Period. Yeah, nobody's getting away with anything. It's just, uh, it is still vexing when you see the wicked prosper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a vexing thing. All right, any other kind of overall comments well it was i actually worked for a mcdonald's back in high school and so it was kind of fun to see the beginnings of a lot of the things that they still used when i was working at mcdonald's in the 80s you know the little dispensers for the ketchup and the mustard Uh and you know the three pickles (laughs) and all of those things that still you know after that big time lapse from when this was started to when I was working there, that, you know, those things were still in place. And so yeah. that was just kind of interesting for me to say, ah, I've seen that thing. <laughs> I, I don't know if they still use it now. And uh, we just actually took a tour of a McDonald's with my little Cloverbud kids. And uh, it's changed now. It's a little bit different than, yeah. you know, when I was there. But I think that's just right. progress and technology and, sure. and all that. So, but it, that was kind of fun. For me. <laughs> Visit it in your roots. <laughs> All right. Well, let's have our break, and when we come back, we'll look more worldview-y about all these things. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.
we're back, Worldview Media Podcast, as Joyce sips her drink <gasps> from a McDonald's Shh. cup. I didn't buy it. <laughs> Somebody else bought it for me. You don't need to be embarrassed. You know... Everybody has a McDonald's. I know, but after seeing this movie, I, I was conflicted. I was like, oh my oh, gosh. Oh, it made you it made not me think, want to support McDonald's or McDonald's. I don't know if I really, I don't <laughs> know if I really care for this anymore. <laughs> Which right. kind of surprised me, but I was just kind of like, can I get one Happy Meal Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do think that one mitigating factor there, I'm with you. I, if if I can avoid sending money to Ray Kroc, that would be a good thing. Is well, he, he's, he's no longer he's with us. He's no longer with yeah. us. He's gone to the alternate side. <laughs> but, he's gone to his reward. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the movie kind of also did point out that he realized that one key to their success was they were going to need to find hard-working kind of middle-class people who could afford to purchase yeah. the franchise and work their tails off. Yeah, and, uh, to succeed and have success. And that's the other part of it. But ultimately, he wasn't getting enough for himself. Sure, and so he right. had to kind of finagle, how can yeah. I get more he than was what a, I deserve? He was kind of slimy. <laughs> In so many ways. <laughs> right. Okay, well, let's talk about themes and did you have anything in mind or Well, I think you had a, a good parallel with that other movie and with the characters of the you know the main characters with uh, Mr. Crockett, yeah. yeah. And that other guy and um, just that they were weren't satisfied with just doing well. You know, they had to be in charge and control and yeah. Um, Their appetites were yeah. Insatiable. I mean, they were yeah. They just were never satisfied with with right. anything. And when they saw something else, well, I have to acquire this. This has to be mine. And uh, right, you know, didn't care if that belonged to somebody else or <laughs> sure. was yeah. spoken for. You have no, you have no rights to these things. You know. I think yeah. when he was talking with the brothers, and he was so frustrated with them because he'd say, hey, we need to do this, and this will improve our profit, and, and they'd just say no. Yeah. And it was driving him crazy. And then, right. you know, his his big deal was, well, contracts were made to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was just like, what? <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm, I'm what they call a black coffee drinking pipe hitting Calvinist and and uh, capitalist as well and and I'm all in favor of that entrepreneurial spirit I think uh, frankly I think the reason that the kingdom of God has been so stagnant in the United States is because Christians have not been trained or encouraged to function as entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and uh, so we really need to get that back that yeah. attitude and so I don't begrudge Ray Kroc trying to maximize his profits, but it was the stuff you're talking about where he basically admitted, you know, if his competitor was drowning, he'd shove a fire hose in his face. And help and, him. Right. Help him to his demise, yeah. And, uh, and we can't be that. But I do think that, you know, I'm not going to get mad at people for realizing if I eliminate this over here, I can maximize my profits. and That's just good business. And 
I mean, I'm all in favor of of him doing well, and and I'm not, you know, I'm certainly in favor of everybody getting as rich as they can get while doing things ethically. And, and well, yeah, I guess for me that's my sticking point. I don't think he was ethical sure. about the things no, he did. No, he wasn't. And he he was above the law. You know, right. he could do whatever he wanted to do. He knew he was breaking the contract at one point, and the and he was just kind of upfront about it that he felt like at the time he was breaking the contract, he was too powerful for anybody to do anything yeah. about it. That yeah, yeah, he had enough accrued wealth that yeah. sue me they couldn't fight him. To. Right, but uh, yeah, and so he was just really kind of underhanded in a lot of the things sure. that he did, and so I think. Yeah, be a business owner, be do all right. these things, but you know you have to have a standard, which isn't your own, <laughs> yeah, right, right. in order to do that in the best way possible. So Ray Kroc turns out to be kind of a uh, an unsavory character. Yeah, I didn't hate him or anything. I just felt didn't sorry really like for him. him, and you felt sorry for him. Yeah, well, really? just because his whole life was devoted to. Things that really weren't all that important. They were important to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why he was devoted to it. So he was a bad guy, but there was really a lot of... There were a lot of bad bad characters uh-huh. in the movie. There was nobody that you could look at and just say, well, here's the one we're supposed to be rooting for. I guess the closest would be the McDonald's brothers. The yeah. McDonald brothers, but even they had some things that they had some obvious flaws that contributed to bad situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in Ray Kroc's desire to take McDonald's nationwide and take over the world with it, mm-hmm. I really kind of saw a parable of post-millennialism and, <laughs> and dominion. I yeah. mean, he was taking dominion. He was just doing it in a in an ungodly, unlawful way. Yeah, But... There's something. There's still something to be learned from his refusal to to be defeated and mm-hmm. and his his willingness to try out of the box things in order to advance the cause. If yeah. if all that was put in service of Christ, that would be great. It just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was unethical. Sure. Uh, and so, <laughs> where I would say that Ray Kroc was kind of a an example of what the church should do, only ethically. Mm-hmm. I felt like the McDonald brothers were more of an example of what the church does, and yeah. and and doesn't need to be continuing to do that. And what I mean is, and I especially think they're like all millennialists. The McDonald <laughs> brothers were all millennial. <laughs> in function because within the walls of their business yeah they were fantastic in terms of efficiency and mm-hmm. productivity uh, right quality control mm-hmm. they were great and service service at their window they yeah. were great they didn't go beyond their window people but, had to come to them yeah that's it people <laughs> had to come to them and Innovation and problem solving and inventiveness, mm-hmm. they were great within the walls of their building. Yeah. But it did seem to me 
their story was that as soon as they realized they were successful where they were, they on their own tried to franchise things. Mm -hmm. And they quickly got burned in that process. And so their response was to kind of retreat within the walls of their building mm -hmm. and just focus on what they are doing there in that one location. To do the best that they can where they're at. Uh, right. And to me, that was... That was the whole modern church, really, that, uh, and especially the amillennial brand of reformed churches. Mm -hmm. Let's be great within the walls of the church and what we're doing here on a Sunday morning, and and we'll just we'll get it all down and be very efficient with our hour long service or whatever. And but there's nothing going on outside. And once we get outside these walls, we're going to meet up with people who aren't as ethical as we are, and we're likely to get burned, and we've been burned before, and yeah. it's just it's just a lot of hassle to have to deal with things outside these walls. And so let's just kind of circle the wagons and, and do what we do in here. And I thought that was a shame because the whole thing about the McDonald brothers is that they proved to be resilient, kind of out-of-the-box thinkers, yeah. and like I say, really overcoming obstacles and problem-solving. Mm -hmm. They were moving their building at one time, and they ran into a bridge they weren't going to be able to move past, and so they yeah. sawed their building well, in half. Well, instead and, of purchasing a new building, they right. just said, let's move the one we have. <laughs> right. you know? So yeah, they were uh, forward-thinking with a lot of things that Right, they they were innovative. It's just that as soon as things got scary, suddenly they stopped innovating. And when they ran into problems on the outside, yeah, suddenly they stopped being problem solvers. Let's just stay in our safe place and and do good here. So, should all business owners look at having branches of their business everywhere? If God grants them that kind of growth, I think that that's a worthy thing to look at. I don't think there's any, I don't believe there's anything morally wrong with having a family farm, you know, that pretty much supports your family and, and you can live pretty well and all that. I don't think, like a family farm, how are you going to franchise that? And, and, <laughs> but anything else you and I don't. I, <laughs> And I don't think you're obligated to buy up all the land you can possibly buy up. But I, I do think that, that that entrepreneurial kind of expansive mindset is generally good for business. Generally. Well, it just seems to me to think about that it's going to take more time and more of your time away from other things. And again, yeah. you know, what's your focus and what are... Why are you doing those things? So, right. I don't necessarily see what they did as a horrible thing. You know, they were happy. Well, once they, it, I think it did become bad once they signed a contract for the specific purpose of let's expand and do the franchise thing. Mm -hmm. Then for them to be afraid and to keep pulling back and to keep saying no to trying this or trying that then I think that became a hindrance and actually uh, was their end of the developing bad relationship between them and Ray Kroc. A lot of their reticence to move forward or to be innovators was really based on nothing. 
they just they just hated the thought of changing and and that wound up causing a lot of tension and who knows maybe if they had been a little bit uh less tight in that sort of thing maybe maybe the relationship would have progressed a little bit easier and, mm-hmm. and uh, so with the way that uh Croc was portrayed right i wouldn't put it past him he you know i don't right. think uh he would have been happy with anything other than what he wound up with yeah that's probably right Probably right. And then the other thing that I thought about... But that is a really interesting comparison that you've made between the two views of how to expand. <laughs> or whether or not to. to. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, thank you. And then <laughs> the other character that I thought didn't help the situation was Ray's first wife. Mm-hmm. And again, it started out with me feeling very sympathetic toward her because Ray Kroc is this traveling salesman and she's alone a lot right and apparently he's got a a history of investing money in gimmicky schemes and mm-hmm. and she's just kind of had it up to here with this and 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 at one point they get in an argument about it and you get the feeling it's something they probably argued about a lot and and he's kind of like, well, if you'd only maybe support me a little bit. And her answer was that she had supported him by not leaving him all these years. And uh, I thought that was kind of significant. Uh, because I kind of I kind of felt for Ray Kroc in that moment that, yeah, support has to be something more than just I consent to remain with you, <laughs> you know, which is, is kind of what her support seemed to be. And, yeah. and she was kind of playing a martyr at that point. Like she was doing something, uh, she was really spending herself by supporting him in that way. When the truth of the matter is they're members of a country club and she likes to hobnob with a bunch of rich friends. Yeah, and, she has a nice house. She's got nice clothes. Yeah. She's got nice things. So. It's not like she's sleeping in a box or something like yeah. that, waiting for her husband to come home. And... But it doesn't seem like she's looking for anybody else either. No. No, you know, that's not, right. There was no indication yeah. that she was having... She was any... at home doing whatever right. he did at home. and Which was more than you could say for him. Yeah. Well, and I think for her too, you know... The reputation of your husband being somebody that's like, oh, here's the latest thing. This is what you need. you got to have this. And then, well, okay, maybe <laughs> right. not. But wait, what about this? Don't you think you need this? <laughs> you right. know that, oh, you've got a crazy man. <laughs> that, you know, so I think she probably did deal with some things that he probably didn't understand or realize because it was never, oh, this didn't work. Maybe this will work. And he didn't. I don't think he realized what he had done to himself until he was trying to get money <laughs> oh, right, right. for this restaurant. Oh, he had destroyed his yeah, own reputation. Yeah, and people were like, don't I know you? And he's like, no, no, you don't know me. And he's like, wait, you came in here trying to sell me. And then somebody else, oh, this was what you tried to sell me. And they were never the same thing. So Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But I just point that out. But that was another character that I was initially sympathetic with. And they didn't seem happy. No, they never were. You know, they, they didn't were. seem happy with each other when they were together, when they were apart. There was a there was a fleeting moment when they were eating at the country club and uh 
the crowd that they were with was kind of making fun of Ray and, and joking about him and, and yeah that. his crazy schemes right and she did kind of stand up for him then and felt like in that moment maybe it was like a point of reconciliation maybe she really was on his side and uh, of course that never it didn't wind up playing out that way yeah and you, right that was mostly his fault though well and then you know he did ask her for a divorce and and it was just you know they're sitting down to eat <laughs> and he just says I want a divorce and that was yeah not a terribly emotional no. moment or yeah so it was just it was really kind of weird of course he didn't do that until he found something else that he liked better than what he had right, right. <laughs> so uh, and you know, I know I know what you're saying about well, this was there, but it never went to this point where I thought it would go, and there wasn't a really good solid ending, and yeah. you know, it wasn't like a satisfying ah, here we go, this is this right. is right, and you know, is that just life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a it's a little based on a on a real life story, and that's just. Yeah, it really does happen that way sometimes. You know, sometimes you yeah. don't get that satisfying end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't see it with your eyes anyway a lot of the time. All right, you got anything else on this show? Any other, did you have any other, like, thematic thoughts? or? No. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting little... Kind of eye-opening in terms of I had no idea. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, really fun kind of fun. I thought it was... Well, I like the comparisons you were able to get out of it. I did not see those things. I just saw Batman. You didn't think... <laughs> of, you didn't see the McDonald brothers and think, all millennialism! <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't know why not. <sighs> I guess I was just not thinking. <laughs> well, we'll learn ya. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should get out of here then. Cats are crying and people are calling and it's crazy. It's crazy. All right. You want an instant milkshake or anything? No, no, no. I'll take the old-fashioned. <laughs> That's so expensive. <laughs> All right, y'all. Go out there and dominionize. Uh, learn how to tell the story in every story. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>